from the Swiss Alps to the Canadian Rockies, celebrating unique connections between Switzerland and Canada. Brought to you by the Swiss representations in Canada. Welcome to today's episode of our podcast. My name is Nina Bardo and I'm the Science and Technology Officer at the Swiss Consulate in Vancouver. Today, I have the pleasure to talk to Miriam Jordi, a second-generation Swiss who joins us virtually from Alberta. Miriam, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nina. Miriam is a trained sheet metal worker and a strong advocate for women in trades. She's also on the Alberta Apprenticeship and Trades Board. So on today's episode, we will talk about her efforts for women in trade, her new business opportunities and her connection to Switzerland. So Miriam, tell us first, how did you get where you are today? What's your career path? I would like to point out that I started out as a pretty artistic kid and teenager. And I think that that's an important thing because a lot of those skills from way back then, those were my real interests. Those became transferable skills when I moved into hands-on trades work. So I did a variety of things because I had young kids at one point and, you know, different things that I didn't really choose my career path until later. So at 31, I was going through a separation and had these young kids and I saw this program that would be training what is that called a pre-apprenticeship type of a program for women getting into the trades and so they taught us uh, some carpentry skills based on um, a first year's carpentry modules from the state And so we were run through all these kinds of practical things. And from there, I chose sheet metal. Um, I thought I was going to be a welder because that was easy for me uh, because of all the drawing and the crafts. Uh, Welding, if if you're that type of person, welding feels very second nature. Um, But the thing is that a lot of welding gigs, you can end up pretty much you can be stuck under your helmet just standing in one spot or laying in a spot for hours. So knowing myself, I knew I needed a lot more variety. So, um, but I didn't really know I was headed that way. I got hired into a sheet metal shop as a welder's apprentice. And then when I saw every, all the work that they performed, it was, it was interesting to me because I could do both. And so it wasn't very long before in my apprenticeship, I was being called out to jobs at hospitals and and places where they needed a a welder that had a a good reputation. Yeah, that's that's how I ended up in sheet metal. And then where I am today, (laughs) I'm actually uh, between stuff. And with this time on my hands, I'm uh, starting my own little business um, so that I can accept some consulting things um, while I continue to look for the perfect gig, I guess. (laughs) That's quite an interesting journey you went through and uh, we'll come back to your new business a bit later. But um, you're also second generation Swiss. So how did your parents' roots influence your life and your career choices, especially 
talking about the apprenticeship model, it's something quite uncommon here in Canada. So did your um, parents' background influence your career choices? I wish it would have influenced it sooner. I would say that I had the same problems all the, all the women that were girls in the 90s had where, and, and I'm sure before that it was worse. It, it was more just the fact that it just wasn't, girls just didn't do it. The thing, yeah, the, the impactful part was that I never looked down on trades, not, not ever. Um, growing up as a Swiss Canadian, uh, for one thing, everybody, all the Canadians and Swiss people would always tell me, oh, your dad is such an excellent carpenter. Like I, I never heard bad things about my dad and everyone was impressed with his quality of workmanship from his, his apprenticeship in Switzerland. And so that impacted me. And plus, now, as, as an older person, and as I get more involved in the apprenticeship process, I, I'm also interested in uh, his old stories. At around 13 or so, I think that they moved the kids out of, it was called Real Schule, right? They took the kids and they said, okay, these ones are better suited for trades. And that's, that's how they started their trades paths. And they were happy to do it. And I don't think anyone looked down on them. If it's a good job, a good fit for you, then it's a good, it's a good job and society's happy with you. So in Canada, I hear people say that there's a stigma and I have a hard time seeing it, to be honest. I think it's because I'm from Alberta. And then also the Swiss thing is that it just blue collar means something else to me. That's something that's interesting. And I, I do understand it's a part of the Canadian culture. I just, uh, it's a shame that it is because these people are such amazing craftspeople and they, they have to be intelligent and they do have an education and yeah. It's wonderful to hear that your your father and his, his life really um, taught you to appreciate the trades and the, the whole apprenticeship system, because I think this is such a, a valuable um, tool for society and for the whole workforce. And I've, I've did, did some research and I've actually seen that Alberta leads the nation in numbers of female tradespeople in the industry with almost 7%. And that Canada compares well with other nations when it comes to women employed in construction and generally the whole trades field. So it actually goes hand in hand with what you said about it. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm a Canadian for sure. And I'm proud to be, I guess how I feel is that if I'm going to complain about something or if I care about something that I'm going to try to change the part of it that I can. You talk a lot about change and you mentioned it before, how, how tough it was and still is for women in trades. So you actually took matters in your hands and you founded the group Alberta Women in Trades, a Facebook group that creates a safe space for women to ask questions, exchange experiences, give support and build networks. So maybe you can talk a bit about this project, uh, what was the need for it and also your mission to help Alberta in this field. Yeah, going through the 
the training process uh, surrounded by men, you know what, it was tough. And you had to learn some different social skills to be able to manage it, if, especially if you were sensitive, you know, and I, I was, <laughs> but I tried to be tough or whatever, but you know, there's just different ways to talk to people. And back then, um, Alberta was behind change needed to happen. I was very unhappy at different points because of just some sexist stuff and just the way that the way that men handle things when they don't have training, that kind of thing. Let me think, where did that actually start? I, I was out in BC uh, briefly <laughs> exploring job options. And that's where I saw the BC Women in Trades, Women in the Trades Facebook group. And they were already pretty well established. And I just like it was just blowing my mind that it that Alberta didn't have one yet. You know, they had been already like four years. <laughs> and I was like, wow, how long does it take us to find our group? Right. So um, I started it and just my sister helped and we named it really obviously. And we started to we put a lot of work into telling people about it and especially our friends and their friends told their friends and then it became a popular group and today uh there are i think there's around 2700 plus women in the group and so it's been a wonderful community like just the way that the sisterhood has been just i think that there's this this feeling that when you're the you're this limited number well you have to stick together <laughs> to get anywhere so I don't know women identified with the group and we made these uh we made these little hard hat stickers which became one of our things in last year actually 2021 the the first pride in construction happened and that was a, an internet campaign with stickers, hard hat stickers <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, it was a whole group of about 10 rainbow people and allies. And they made an impact because I've never seen a pride flag fly off of a construction building in Calgary. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so it's a grassroots group that keeps on kind of like inspiring each other. So my follow-up question would have been, but I feel like you already answered it to a certain degree, is do you think the conversation changed since you started yeah. in the industry? Oh, I know it did. Um, yeah, when you're kind of obsessed with a topic, <laughs> so I've had my eye on it is the thing, and it it's changed a great deal. So as soon as we figured out who we were and started to identify as a group, that that was it that was that's what was required because oh, sorry i'm gonna cry <laughs> it's honestly because of the collaboration okay like you can't do you can't do a movement uh, alone and everyone was trying their best so when they found a thousand and then two thousand and then the numbers just keep growing because that's who's influencing the up and comers and all of that. So, you know, I think the change has happened and I think it continues to, uh, at least we can, you wouldn't have heard anyone talk about the stuff we're talking about 10 years ago in construction that we're talking about today, like EDI, equity, diversity, inclusion. 
I, I can't believe my ears <laughs> when I hear that being discussed on a construction site. Cause that, that wasn't always the case. Yeah. We may have heard of like respect, <laughs> but nobody dug any deeper than that. And, you know, it was a pretty homogenized culture for a long time. So how was it received in the construction world? You say there's all the dialogue already changed on the construction side, but, um, How was it in the beginning when you started this this whole movement? How how well was it received? Well, the the good news was that I did, you know, have the support of some of these ladies that I met in BC. And then the other thing is that at the time, Australian women were were catching on to this before anyone else in the English world that about Instagram and showing how cool it is to be on the tools and this and that and they were they were creating influencers and the, and this kind of thing so that's what I tried to do but I like I was old and I didn't even care that much but I just was like whatever like they need to see more pictures of this and that is all they just need to keep seeing it and seeing it and seeing it because women can do these jobs and we'll we'll hear it until a certain population <laughs> retires I think but the construction industry has been pretty good about it because, you know, like they, they are starting to see that it's just not professional, but getting back to how it's changed is that, yeah, that respect is just kind of ingrained in the younger kids and uh, the, and the, not just Canada, Canada did a really good job of connecting ourselves, our small community of tradeswomen, because now we know we have, you know, tens of thousands of us if we if we care to stick together and have a voice right but in the world that connection is strong too because these women have felt so isolated for so long that it's an actual tight little world group you've recently started your own company with your sister it's more of a consulting company for the construction industry And I was wondering, what are your plans and goals for your consulting company? The goal is to take on contracts and work with different companies to help them implement equity, diversity, inclusion plans for their construction businesses and just to aid in, in the culture part. And that could mean anything. It could mean um, helping them restructure their image um their content this kind of thing or help attracting um hiring and then the main thing for me is the retention because i think there's a lot of companies out there that are that are doing a great job at recruiting and doing some training and then they're losing women and the number is staying pretty stagnant Because the length of a woman's career in construction, like there's that, there's a point at which there's something wrong with the industry. The culture is what she ends up not liking. And so what does that mean? And it means all sorts of things, um, especially that we know this labor shortage is upon us. So it also means foreign workers, languages, dealing with all kinds of things that the construction industry has been avoiding and only just recently kind of realized it's it's happening construction's always been like a funny place and a racist place and a sexist place 
and a place where these kinds of things are are allowed to slide and have been part of like the quote unquote work culture or the way that we've been doing it, right? So it's not fine anymore. And when women come into organizations, the whole industry benefits, that company benefits, uh, professionalism altogether goes up when women uh, become something that's considered, you know, like um, the big issue or one of the big issues that comes up a lot is bathrooms and, um, and tampons and, and things like this. And um, it's like, well, if you look at how Canadian construction <laughs> has been living until COVID with the hand washing and the eating, I was there and um, it was filthy disgusting. So the pandemic changed a lot and it also influenced, uh, I think it also influenced how well um, the social media connection went. Well, I think you gave us quite a good overview of the, the construction industry in Alberta about the situation of women in trades and how it developed over time, your personal struggles, but also the collective, the systematic problems. But you also gave some, some signs of hope for the future and, <laughs> and what changed over the past couple of decades. Is there anything else you would like to add, a message that would be important to you or something we didn't talk about yet? Yeah, actually, what's been on my mind lately is, I, I guess, to finish my career path, moving to Red Deer, um, I, I was doing sheet metal for uh, over a decade. And then I moved, I just recently moved to Red Deer a year ago. And I, I thought that I wanted to be a project manager. I really thought it. I thought it'd be, I'd be well suited to it. But over this year, actually, I was working for Shandos Construction and they were, they were awesome, actually. I want to say that, that they were, I, I let them know all year that I was trying to figure out what was going on because moving from a hands-on job like that to one where you're mainly doing administrative work, I actually found it depressing after a year of it. And I, even though there was a good future there and everyone was trying to help, I gave up. And I, I honestly, going to my doctor, I explained what I was going through. And over the course of the few months that I saw him and worked, he realized that I have like a pretty severe ADHD. That's what's been on my mind lately, only because I know how predominant it is in the trades just by knowing the trades. So now that I know what I have, I knew I was different, but I was the same as lots of those guys and girls. And I think I had the feeling like when I got into trades, I was, I was like, oh, here's my people, right? And I think it's because there were a lot more people with my style of energy. And so having been diagnosed with ADHD, that's just on the forefront of my mind is it's not about me. It's just that, again, it's a personal experience and personal experiences telling me that there's a lot of it in construction. I don't know. I just wonder sometimes if it's not smart to funnel kids out of the, the, the um, university path, if they're a certain type of person, I think that it would have been obvious if I had been diagnosed 
with ADHD, it seems to me that I would have thought about my career choices differently younger too. Thank you, Miriam, so much for, for sharing this very personal story and personal insight. And also thank you for mentioning the whole mental health aspect. I think it's, it's really something we have to think about. And um, I'm glad you mentioned it also in the framework of the construction industry. And um, we hope here at the concert that the apprenticeship program is carried out into the world and really considered by other countries and provinces. It's a wonderful system and I can't wait to see how it grows over the next few years. I think that the industry just overall is moving in a new direction and it's nice to see that. And before we finish the podcast, Miriam has one last question. She would like to know if there are other women out there who are advocates for women in trades and especially if there are groups like this in Switzerland so if there's any, anyone out there who's listening to this podcast and is an advocate for women in trades, particularly in Switzerland, please reach out to us on social media or by, by email and we connect you with Miriam. And with this, I would like to thank you, Miriam, for joining us today for this podcast. Thank you. It was nice to be here. Thank you very much.